He's like, I'm still carpool, boys. Deer in the swagger wagon. Steve Young, he's one of us. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. And he's going down for the first time tonight. Tyler Batty. The first. Martin's got a first down. Martin's loose. If we fight, we're going to win some games. We're going to be a powerhouse in the Big 12. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Once again, it's a game week for Cougar football following a bye on Saturday. To help us recap what in the world happened in the Big 12 over the weekend is ESPN college football analyst and insider, all-around good man, it's Trevor Maddich, back for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, BYU, again, had the bye, but my goodness, what a strange, crazy, wild, fun weekend in the Big 12. What do you make of what the Big 12 conference is after what you watched this weekend? Absolutely unpredictable and crazy, with the exception probably of the top of it. I mean, what a what a game between Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, the, the first quarter was insane. I mean, it opened up with turnovers, a block punt for a touchdown, every kind of crazy low percentage impact play that could happen happened in the first quarter of that game, and then they kind of settled in. And uh, and what a finish for Oklahoma. I mean, uh, most people picked Texas to win that game, you know, and then. You know, Iowa State, people didn't expect them to be able to beat TCU. Coming into the weekend, Oklahoma State, they thought Kansas State, a lot of people did, I thought, Kansas State would smoke them, and all of a sudden Oklahoma State comes out and beats Kansas State, the defending Big 12 champs. So there was all kinds of weird stuff going on in the conference. It is weird uh, that TCU has lost two in a row, West Virginia and Iowa State now. Also weird, ESPN's FPI still only gives BYU a 28% Chance to win this game Saturday afternoon in Fort Worth. What do you make of the Cougars' chances at TCU Saturday, given what we've seen the last couple of weeks from the Horned Frogs? Well, you know, BYU, they may be facing a team without their starting quarterback. Chandler Morris, is uh, he had to leave, I think, in the third quarter last week against West Virginia. And the backup came in, and he's a talented kid, but he struggled early. And so, you know, he fumbled the ball and then he threw an interception. And, and so he's kind of got to get kind of into a rhythm there to get all of his talent onto the field. And I haven't heard anything specific about whether or not Morris will be available for this game. But if he is, he might be dinged up. He was holding his knee when he was sitting on the ground when, when he was hurt last week. So, you know, I, I, I wish him well. I, I hope he's there so BYU has a chance to face them at their most healthy but at the same time, that, from a standpoint of catching a break, would be a big one if Morris can't go. Trevor, I said last week that if BYU beats TCU in Fort Worth this Saturday, I feel like I'm ready to go there emotionally, that the Cougars are a top-five team in the Big 12. Are they already in the top five, given all the parity? Or do you feel like me, like the Cougars have to win at TCU to deserve a top-five billing there in conference? No, I think winning at TCU will give them more credibility toward that direction. Because regardless of who plays quarterback, TCU is a lot better than people give them credit for. TCU lost a lot of guys off of last year's team that went to the national championship game against Georgia, but they restocked in the transfer portal really well. And again, Morris, especially if he plays, Morris won the starting job last year, then he got hurt. 
and Max Duggan took over at quarterback for TCU last year, ended up going to New York as one of the Heisman finalists. So so Morris didn't get to get to have the season that he wanted personally, although certainly from a team standpoint they did. But TCU is is still a tough out. So I I you know it would be a great win if BYU can pull it off. Is BYU in the top four? Well, in order to, to go there, uh, the running game needs to be a lot better. Or the passing game needs to be massively better. One of the two. Because BYU right now in the Big 12 ranks last in total offense yards per game. And it's because they rank last in rushing yards per game. And it's hard to be one-dimensional when you're facing better teams in this conference. Certainly turnovers uh, were a big story for Iowa State. West Virginia blocks a couple of kicks. One that would have tied. One that also would have won the game for TCU. What role will those intangibles and, and takeaways uh, play in this Saturday's game in your mind? You know, I think there'll be something. It's It's been kind of a feature of Big 12 games, and it's been kind of a feature for BYU games as well, whether it's special teams or defense scoring or offense doing something kind of crazy that puts them kind of behind the curve a little bit. Uh, TCU's been doing that. BYU's been doing that. The question, I think, is partially – what big plays will happen that are kind of off schedule that aren't expected. But even more than that, it's which team can either capitalize on it or on the other side cannot freak out about it because BYU as, as kind of an older team, more mature team, uh, they recruit to the honor code. So there, there are certain advantages BYU has right there from a standpoint of accepting coaching and being disciplined. And when bad things happen so far this year, BYU has mostly responded to it very well. It's one of the reasons they're four and one. BYU's four and one. I mean, we're sitting here talking about the, the flaws on the team, and that's important because of where they want to go. You've got to get some of those things fixed. But at the same time, they're four and one. And a big reason is that when things have gone poorly, BYU has not freaked out about it. And that's something that'll that'll be a, just a great feature of this team going forward in this conference as they continue to build up their depth on the roster. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation. It's another Maddich Monday as the Cougars prepare for a trip to Dallas-Fort Worth. Fort Worth specifically for that showdown with TCU. Trevor, you mentioned we've talked a lot about the flaws that BYU has and frankly... I mean, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a reality. But off the bye week, what do you feel like is the most fixable flaw for BYU to help the Cougars push towards something that they hope is special the remainder of the season? You know, the, I, I think the most – the running game can improve a lot then there's two ways for it to happen. One is for the offensive line to kind of bear down a little bit more. I know they've been kind of angry individually and as a unit about some of the criticism that they've been receiving, and that's that's good. They need to get that anger into practice because it's practice that will carry over to the game. But I like that. And playing angry is one of the things that will help them take the next step in terms of the running game. Another thing is Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator, and the offensive brain trust for BYU can help the offensive line by scheming certain ways. In other words, by by helping them out with lead blocks. You know, the Tennessee Titans did this uh, last week or two weeks ago, actually, uh, when they played the Cincinnati Bengals. Their offensive line had a lot of injuries and they were really struggling. And so instead of asking the offensive line, this is the Titans now, to push forward to block multiple defenders who have leverage on the play side, they just weren't good enough to do that. 
What they did was had a fullback in the backfield. The fullback went out and blocked the end guy, so the offensive line didn't have to push forward. They can block the guys right in front of them and get double teams. There's things like that that can happen, and I think with a bye week, they may have schemed to kind of help that a little bit. Speaking of uh, scheming, in the NFL, we've seen the, the tush push, the brotherly shove from the Eagles. Do you think that that rule will be changed in the NFL at all? And what should BYU do on third and fourth down when it comes to this? Can BYU do a tush push? Well, if it's legal, then they, <laughs> they, they may want to try it. I don't like it. I, I don't think it should be legal because you've got this massive humanity pushing on that poor quarterback from both sides. And so far, I haven't seen anybody get hurt, but I, that may be a minor miracle that nobody's gotten hurt because if he gets into an awkward position and now everybody's pushing and he can't adjust, it could be it could be kind of bad. And so I, I, I don't. That's more rugby than football. If you want to have a quarterback sneak, have the quarterback sneak, you know. But I don't think that people should, especially multiple people, come up from behind the quarterback and push that pile just because I think I think it's a risk. Um, if BYU wants to do that, great. It's legal. Nobody's gotten hurt yet. That's just a personal opinion from my standpoint. Well, no pile pushing necessary for that wild game you referenced off the top of our conversation today between Texas and Oklahoma. Beautiful drive by Dylan Gabriel at the end to put Oklahoma ahead. And Texas still had a shot at the end zone with a Hail Mary that was knocked down and fell short. That said, Trevor, they're clearly the two best teams in the Big 12. Is there anybody else in the conference, maybe Kansas? maybe West Virginia that could sneak in there to a Big 12 championship game, or are we headed for a rematch between the Longhorns and the Sooners? Kansas has already lost to Texas, but they – so and Texas has already lost one. So right now, if those are the two that are competing for the, the second spot in the Big 12 championship game, Texas would have to lose another conference game. Right now, you know, you look at the teams that have – zero or one loss there's a whole bunch of them in conference play it's you know it goes down about about seven uh teams and kansas state is still alive from that standpoint i don't think oklahoma state is going to make it there i think it's a it's a complete free-for-all as to who's going to be number three then the question is since oklahoma's in the driver's seat at three and zero in conference what will happen with texas because texas with one conference loss if they sweep the rest of the conference and they're certainly good enough to do it, they certainly should do it, then everybody else is just jockeying for a bowl position, essentially. But if Texas loses another one, then all of a sudden you've got all kinds of possibilities of teams that could pop up in there. And it could be anybody. I mean, Kansas, having lost to Texas, can still get there if, if they went out and Texas loses another game. Kansas, Kansas is a tough out. Their defense plays hard. Their offense is very difficult to defend. BYU fans saw it, you know, the way that they're able to do so many different option plays that combine passes and runs, and they can throw the ball down the field if they need to. It's a really unique offense, and that makes them tough. Iowa State at 2-1, and one, you know, they've got a stout defense. And if you've got a stout defense and don't mistake, make mistakes on offense, then there's stuff you can do. Texas Tech. Right now is two and one in conference, and remember that they came within one score. I think it was what thirty-eight to thirty against Oregon. Yeah. yeah, and Oregon's one of the best teams in the country. They're a legitimate top four team right right now. Oregon is, and so Texas Tech went toe to toe with those guys. So you can't count them out. I mean, there's a this conference is is going to be wide open for that number three spot. And if Texas falters, or if Oklahoma falters, 
then all of a sudden you're going to have a free-for-all, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Okay, let's talk about the NFL. Fred Warner uh, was unbelievable last night on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys. He had a sack and an interception and a forced fumble, eight tackles. Is he the best defensive player from BYU in the NFL ever? He might be. Uh, you know, now I'm trying to scroll through guys. There have been some very good players, but but Fred is such an impact player. I mean, it starts with the fact that he is so his football intelligence is off the charts. He recognizes what's happening in front of him. He anticipates based on his study, and he gets that jump so that he can he can beat blockers to the mesh point and get into the backfield or get to the ball carrier or get to the pass route earlier, a step earlier than most people might. You combine that anticipation and that football intelligence with the physical ability because he's very, very fluid. And when he gets there, he gets there with bad intentions. And I love that. And so you put all those things together. This guy is as complete a football player as you'll find on the defensive side of the ball, really anywhere in the NFL. So, you know, from a standpoint of of coming out of BYU, is he the best? If there's a better one, I'd like to know who it is. And I'll tell you, it is so much fun to watch him play and represent BYU. At least in my mind, he's representing BYU. I like to believe that. <laughs> Absolutely. He's uh, he's. I've spoken to him rather recently. He's true blue through and through for sure. Trevor, great to talk with you. We appreciate the insights on another loaded edition of Maddich Monday. Can't wait to talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation. And he's right. The, the race for third place in the Big 12 is wide open. Yeah, Texas securely in second place still. Uh, it's just who's going to be third. Someone has to knock him off, I guess. Okay, BYU football's Klein Stake uh, is back, and it's tomorrow night at 8.30 Eastern time. Going to recap the Cincinnati game and look ahead to TCU, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app Tuesday night. Listen, I don't want to talk about conference expansion, but it's back again. Gonzaga to the Big 12, rumors swirling. Do we actually think that's going to happen? This is BYU Sports Nation. I thought we left there late. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media. Hey, we're on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to the show. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. So, got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Beginning with today's headlines. After a bye week, BYU football headed to TCU Saturday afternoon. Pre-game on BYU TV, BYU Radio, 1.30 Eastern Time. The Monday press conference live at 2 Eastern today on the BYU football social media. Moments ago, BYU versus Texas Tech on October 21st. Homecoming! Come on, night game! 7 Eastern oh. on FS1. So it's barely not that 6 p.m. threshold of 26-3 and 3 since... 2019, 6 p.m. or later, 14, 13 before. But I do like that personally. Like a five mountain kick time is pretty. Listen, BYU will start to play really well in the second quarter. After <laughs> That's six. when they'll kick it in. <laughs> Cougars in the NFL, part one, beginning with Zach Wilson, who helped lead the New York Jets to a 31-21 win in Denver over the other Wilson, Battle of Russell Wilson. Wilson and the Broncos. Zach, 19 for 26, 199 yards, late interception. 26 rushing yards. Puka Nakua playing well, stood for the hey. Rams. Seven catches, 71 yards. Wait, that's and it? A touchdown in a 23-14 loss to the Eagles. Cooper Cup is back. Yeah. Still caught seven passes. Fred Warner helped lead the 49ers to an absolute thrashing of the Cowboys, 42-10. 
He did a little bit of everything. Sack, forced fumble, interception, team high eight tackles. He's unbelievable. Tyler Algier, 17 carries for 40 yards for the Falcons. 21-19 walk-off win against the Texans. Taysom Hill, three rushes for 19. And a Saints 35-0 win against the Patriots. Woo! Crazy. Kyle Vannoy had a tackle for the Ravens, and they lost to the Steelers. Uh, Baltimore blew it late. Blake Freeland got his first career start for the Colts right at right tackle. 23-16 win over the Titans. Uh, Zane Anderson ruled out tonight for the Packers against the Raiders with a hamstring. Number 10, BYU women's volleyball sweeping Oklahoma on the road on hey. Saturday in Norman. The Cougars hit a season-high 400 for the match, led by Aaron Livingston's 22 kills. BYU now 14-3 on the season. They're 3-2 in Big 12 play. Up next, the match with Texas Tech at home. Dude, Aaron uh, hit over 700. She was, she was unbelievable. Number 7, BYU women's soccer is Kansas State tonight, 7 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Cougs look to get their first Big 12 home win after three straight draws at Southfield. Tied for fourth in the league with 12 points. Need three points tonight with yes, the dub. in the worst way. Connor Mance and Clayton Young hit the Olympic standard yesterday at the Chicago Marathon. Outstanding. Mance finished sixth with a time of two hours, seven minutes, and 47 seconds. Young just behind him. Seventh, time of two hours and eight minutes. When we say hitting the Olympic standard, both have qualified for the Olympic trials, hey. which will take place between June 21st and the 30th in Oregon next year. Very cool. Jim Fredette helped Team Miami, uh, who, who uh, didn't have to kneel it this time, to a second place finish at the three-on-three -three World Tour in Amsterdam. Good song by Guster over the weekend as he hopes to make the Paris Olympics representing the United States next year. And finally, BYU men's golf teeing off today at the Big 12 match play event in Houston, Texas. The event goes through Wednesday, features all teams in the Big 12. The Cougars going head-to-head -head with Kansas State in the first round of match play. And congratulations to former BYU men's golf standout Patrick Fishburne, yeah! who has been working so hard on the Corn Ferry Tour for a number of years and has earned his PGA Tour card. Very nice. That deserves some the clapping. Gi the ginger quake. Cool. Ginger quake. The redheaded, awesome, all-star, all-American. Like, where are you going? <laughs> that can hit the ball just a country mile up. Yeah. See, that's where the quake comes from. I mean, he, it's like an earthquake when he hits the ball off the tee. Amazing. He's yeah. on the PGA Tour. Yeah, baby. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. CBS Sports College basketball analyst Seth Davis reports the Big 12 has, quote, resumed high-level conference realignment talks with Gonzaga, end quote. Do you believe the Zags will actually be in the Big 12 at some point? No, I don't. I don't either. Next. I just don't I don't see how that works logistically. I don't, I don't believe it. If it happens, great, but I don't believe it. No. In ESPN's updated bowl projections from Mark Schlebaugh, he has BYU facing, get this, LSU. Oh. <laughs> in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Well done. Um, should BYU just stop playing and take this bowl game immediately? I would like to see the final seven, <laughs> but I would that would be fun. That would be really fun. It'd it's be a good great bowl to cross against, the 50 against LSU. Can we cross the 50 <laughs> against LSU? Yeah. Uh, Miami could have taken a knee against Georgia Tech and won the game. Instead, they ran the ball, fumbled. Georgia Tech drove down, scored a touchdown with one second left to win. Is that the grossest mismanagement of the clock you've ever seen? No, that, that's probably hyperbole. Like, there, I'm sure there's some other grosser mismanagement of the clock I just can't think of right now. But I will say this. Mario Cristobal, the head coach of Miami, has been burned by this before, Jerem. Mm. This is the second time it's happened to him. Really? Yes. Neal the ball. In 1974, BYU lost a game in similar fashion to Colorado State, uh, where they fumbled the ball late and Colorado State scored. 
I believe it was Colorado State. It was the 7-4-1 team. They yes. bounced back and went to the Fiesta Bowl yes. and won the WAC. But it happened to BYU in a similar manner that year as well. Well, I initially wanted to answer this question with Taysom Hill being hurt as a freshman. Utah State. By not kneeling the ball against Utah State when the game was over in 2012. I remember where I was when I heard that. Yeah. But that's not like really clock mismanagement as, it was, as far as like why a miscommunication. Are we running the ball why are you running the ball? The game's over. So that's where I initially went, but I was like, that doesn't really qualify as clock mismanagement. We're just upset that Taysom Hill. Yes. Yeah. BYU will be wearing white helmets, white jerseys, and royal pants against TCU. I didn't know that BYU had a white helmet. I had forgotten. <laughs> Do you good. like it looks good. this uniform combination? I love when they're, uh, yeah, I love all of the combos. Yes. There's only yes. one that I didn't really like. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But uh, yeah, I love the white helmet. I love variation. I love royal. Uh, yeah. I love Royal more than Navy. I'm not anti-Navy, though. This used to be my favorite BYU oh, uniform combination. What happened? Of all. And then I saw the, yeah, Ro then I saw the Royal Oreo. Then I saw the Royal the helmet Royal with the white jerseys and the blue pants. Yeah. BYU won at USC Royal in those Royal. uniforms. And they have now won at Arkansas in those uniforms. Oh, superstition uniform, guys. Yes. Will yes. BYU have multiple reps in the Paris Olympics next summer? Absolutely. Jimmer Fredette, Connor Mance, Clayton Young. Yeah. They're all going to be in the Olympics in Paris. Don't forget Kenneth Rooks. Kenneth Rooks Courtney Wayman, Zach McWhorter, maybe Lexi Halliday-Lowry. I mean, we got we got people, mostly runners, right? Jimmer's going to play basketball and in the Olympics. James Fredette might be in the Olympics. He's going to play basketball in the Olympics. That's How cool exciting. is that? All right, Pepperdine University's president, Jim Gash, unbelievably hit a half-court shot to win a student free tuition. Hold on, his name is Jim Gash? Yes. That's a fun name. And it's expensive tuition. Oh, Pepperdine yeah. is so expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't go there. Holy cow. Uh, how confident are you that President Reese at BYU oh, could make a half-court shot to win tuition? Shane's my dude, and he knows the statistical probabilities of all this stuff, so he, he could absolutely put himself in position to make it. But what I really want to show is just a clip of our producer, Colton Potter, doing the same thing a few years ago. Yes. For the yeah, at halftime, this is when he was a student. Oh! Bang, bang, from half court, eight thousand dollars. And listen, eight grand—that's uh, like that's... almost a year's tuition at BYU. Now it was probably like two hundred fifty bucks after <laughs> tithing taxes and his agent. But luckily, Colt was very calm in his yeah. approach once he made it. Did he go over the? Oh, I think we may need to review the step nah, over. As long as you're on the Y. Yeah, you're, you're good. You're it's right. all that was good. good. Uh, he did not use it for tuition. <laughs> I know he used it for an epic trip to Disneyland. <laughs> you should, bro. You should. <laughs> Up next, it's Monday, and that means more Monday that. mailbag questions to get to. Plenty that you have. We need to answer them after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Wide open, Deion Smith to the end zone. Touchdown, what a call and what a play. Touchdown, Cougars. He was wide open. Deion for the touchdown. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Deion Smith hoping to find the end zone a few more times. Many more times. Let's hope. Beginning at TCU, I had a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with Dion yesterday to discuss BYU being an underdog again, the best part of the bye week, and how in the world do the Cougars get the run game going with extra time to prepare? Dion Smith, one-on-one. -on -one. Dion, what would you say was the best thing that happened for you individually during the bye week? 
Uh, I feel like I got a good a good opportunity to catch up on some football, you know, um, do a little extra film studying and you know, spend the time to get my body back to 100 percent, you know, after these first four weeks, five weeks. OK, hey, hard to argue with that. Get healthy, rest, watch a ton of football. How much football did you consume just as an observer over the last, let's say, four days? <laughs> Um, let's just say, um, every day I was flipping between games for on commercial break. Um, I was <laughs> checking the ESPN scores uh, from all teams playing A through Z. Uh, so I, I watched as much football as I possibly can from the Oklahoma, Texas game to the, uh, Ole Miss Arkansas game. So I watched a ton of football over these last few days. And <laughs> it was a grateful, I'm grateful for the opportunity just to be able to, you know, observe for a little bit because we're always in the moment. So it, it feels good to observe and learn and take notes from, you know, f future opponents and even past opponents. Yeah, we'll get to TCU and your film study of the Horned Frogs because I know you're watching their games very closely and what just happened against Iowa State. But if you had to, I guess, pinpoint one thing that you feel like BYU football improved upon during the bye week or needs to do better in order to get ready for TCU and the other opponents, what would that be? I feel like we hit it hard last week. You know, uh, it's easy to kind of take your foot off the gas on a on a bye week, especially when you don't have a game that Saturday. But I feel like we did a good job of, you know, just being physical and having very intense practices, you know, every day that we practiced last week. I feel like that's going to give us an edge for this week's preparation and also this game this week. So that was one thing that I feel like we really did good. And we focused on that just because we kind of felt like we needed it. So. What did you notice about TCU's defense and maybe some specifics of how you are preparing along with your offensive coaching staff and your teammates to get ready for what the Horn Frogs are going to do defensively? Yeah, you know, they have a lot of layers to their defense. You know, they have the, those three high safeties, um, you know, and we, we treat it like just middle close. So it's like a cover one, a cover three, maybe. But, you know, it's an interesting defense and. You know, they can create a lot of different mismatches and problems, you know, up front and picking up in protection and even in the run game. So, you know, the biggest thing for us is to, you know, know our keys, you know, focus on the things that we need to focus on. So our objectives, being physical and just, you know, completing our assignment, you know, for all 11 men on the field. So. Yeah. What specifics would you say are the keys to potentially exploiting a very, very diverse and multiple defense like TCU will put out? Yeah. You know, for me, I think it's being efficient in the run game, you know, having a, you know, a, a nice run attack this week and also being able to take advantage of, you know, the holes in their coverages down the field. So, you know, taking whatever they give us and whenever they want to play us a little tighter and a little manned up close to the line of scrimmage, then, We'll go over the top of their head when we need to. So I think it's just being a little bit more efficient in the run game and just figuring out a way to have a little bit more balance to where, you know, we can take what they give us and not really hurt ourselves. BYU running back Deion Smith is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, a big picture question about the Big 12, because last weekend was absolutely bonkers. Yeah. A great game between Texas. In Oklahoma, Iowa State upsets the TCU team that you're going to watch. Kansas blows out UCF. Oklahoma State upsets Kansas State. What do you make of all this, Dion? No, I, I think that, you know, uh, 
uh, one of the statistics that we talked about in the meeting, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, after it was after the Kansas game, and it was up until October, end of October, there were eight teams that were still eligible to make it to the Big 12 championship. And I feel like that's like an underlying factor for this conference because you never really know. And it takes every game of the season because you – you might have the odds to win, but that doesn't mean that you're for sure going to walk out of that game with a guaranteed victory. So, you know, I feel like, you know, any week, anyone's susceptible to win. Yeah, what's interesting is, you know, take away the first two games, Dion at Arkansas, BYU was a notable underdog at Kansas underdog, even at home against Cincinnati going to the game, BYU was an underdog. You're an underdog again against TCU. What do you make of that role for BYU football as not being the favorite in any of the four power five games that you will have played this weekend? Yeah, I, I think that gives everyone on our team uh, an extra chip on our shoulders because we know we're going to be the underdogs. We know we're going to be overlooked. But that's honestly the position. That's we're right where we want them, you know. So I think we use it as a confidence booster, and it, it it drives us a little bit more on the field, especially when we face a little bit of adversity because we know that, you know, it's expected and we know that we can overcome it. Now take me inside the team meetings in the running backs room specifically here for this next question because – we are, in large part, as a media group and as a BYU fan base, observers and don't get to see all the nitty-gritty specifics that you and your teammates and your coaches go through. But as you watch the film against Cincinnati, and it seemed, in large part, that the run game found, at times, some better success than you had had against Arkansas and Kansas specifically. So what, what is trending in the right direction with the run game as you push toward TCU? like mentality you know everyone has the mentality that we still have a lot of work to do and we continue to put that in on a day-to-day -day basis that's one thing that drives us uh, from the offensive linemen to the running backs in our room and that's just the mentality of you know knowing that we struggle a bit but we still have the opportunity to fix it with the work that we put in so that's been a, a main driver and just you know sticking to our fundamentals and you know, keep just still believing in it. You know, even when everyone is doubting us and everyone sees that we struggle a bit, you know, we still have that faith and that confidence that we know that, you know, we're all great players and we're all able to execute our jobs at, at the right time. Deion Smith is with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of opportunity do you see in front of you against TCU? You're 4-1 and one as a team. You know, obviously a fifth victory is potentially out there, but this one just feels big. So what type of opportunity do you sense here? I feel like it, it, we have the opportunity, especially with, with the next three weeks, to just take over Texas, honestly. You know, uh, uh, I feel like, you know, we have the opportunity, we have the skill, we have the mentality, we have the drive, we have the leadership. You know, we have everything we need. We just, you know, we can't get in our own way. So this week we have a, a great opportunity to – set the set the tone for this month, you know, set the tone for these next three games ahead. What do you like most about playing road games, especially in, you know, the power five level? You've done it at Colorado. Now you're doing it at the Big 12. What's the best part about playing in a road environment? Now just making that call, that 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 crowd noise, just hush, you know, especially after they've been rowdy and they're happy that their team has made a couple of plays, but the moment that we start to make plays and even get in the end zone, it's just like a, it sounds like a library almost. And that's the best feeling. 
<laughs> I'm envisioning you catching that touchdown pass from Parker Kingston against Arkansas as a prime example of that, right? Yeah, you can see the 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 surprise faces and just everyone just stunned in the audience. Oh, great insight. Dion, you got a million dollar smile. You got a million dollar attitude. Your energy is infectious. We're going to send you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Keep it up, man. Uh, we look forward to watching play against Thank TCU you. and thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. Go Cougs. <laughs> Dion Smith, let's make the Rhodes Stadium sound like a library. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I like it. It was fantastic when he caught that touchdown pass in Fayetteville. So quiet. Everybody is absolutely stunned because it's 14-0 and then yep. the tide shifts immediately with one big explosive play. Boom goes the All right, looking at the running attack, and he feels like the attitude's better, that they were able to find some things that worked against Cincinnati. Yep. What would be good enough from BYU's running game at TCU this weekend to feel like, okay, it's still trending in the right direction? Keaton Slovis felt like 70 yards against Cincinnati was good enough. They had exactly... 70 yards, and it was good enough. So is it all on that number? I'm not sure. The number that matters more is the takeaways because BYU can rush for an anemic amount of yards like this if they are plus one, two, three in the margin. BYU's throwing for 200-plus, which is enough as well. BYU's not setting the world on fire in any passing offensive numbers right now. Uh, 56th in yards per attempt, 54th in quarterback rating, 87th in completion percentage. Very average. They're not doing anything that's like unbelievable. What they are doing is in wins getting takeaways, plus seven. So if BYU cannot take the ball away, they're going to have to be able to run it. Now remember, TCU runs uh, an odd front with three down linemen, and they play three safeties quite a bit. So it it's a, a different-looking defense. Can BYU run against a three-man front a you little more effectively? You would think that that would help. Or does it open? You need play action, too. Riley Nelson, great point. BYU needs play action. They have not been good enough on play action compared to the previous three years where those are where the big plays have come. The big plays are coming, like, right after takeaways right now. I need BYU to rush for 100 yards. That's not asking one. For me to feel like, okay, trending in the right direction. And technically speaking, it would be trending in the right direction. Given that it's happened one time. If BYU can Houston? rush for 100 yards. Let's not have a loss of 20 yards with a snap over the head. Okay. Like if you're up 13 with two minutes left, I don't care. But overall, that doesn't help. BYU can rush for 100 yards against TCU. I would hope so. 100's that, not That's enough. Crazy. If BYU throws for 225, rushes for 100, and is plus one in the turnover margin... I think they got a pretty good shot. BYU's yet to get 400 yards in a game, yet or 4-1. Like, I would have guessed BYU was 2-3 and three no, they've shown you told me that before. They've the shown me that they can win the field position battle, mm-hmm. and that more often than not they can win the turnover battle, and Those that they can be opportunistic with explosive plays after turnovers and after getting good field position, enough to believe that if BYU doesn't have 375 or 400 total yards of offense, they can still win the game. Like, it's weird. BYU's winning with different formulas because Power 5 football now. Like it, it, and, and props to Jay Hill specifically for getting this defense in a position to help BYU win these games. If this is last year's defense, BYU is perhaps 1-4. Yes, and we're going to tell like, you... Like, might have lost the same Houston game. We're going to tell you I mean? which category BYU is a top 25 team in defensively coming up in just a little bit. In case you missed any interviews, uh, you know, what's trending, deep blues, conversations, highlights, other shows. Catch them on BYUSN.com, dog. After a critical home win for BYU women's soccer last night in conference, finally got out that uh, schneid, 
is the lid finally out? Are we going to see something special now the remainder of the season? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Get to the big board on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, Stewart. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday with, yes, the man, Trey Stewart here. What's up, man? How you doing, Trey? I'm doing good. Yeah. I wonder how y'all are doing. Are y'all sore? I'm a, le- I'm a, little, a bit. little sore. A little I, bit. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I guess we're going to find out in a second. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yes, Top 5 think. Tuesday, Top 5 plays from yesterday's Media Madness. Yes, sir. We're calling these highlights, Trey. I don't know if they qualify as highlights. <laughs> they were highlights to all of us. We just got <laughs> and we weren't practicing, so we didn't have to run. So. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Hey, we were we up at you. 6 in the morning, so it was a trade. We'd already put your sure. work in. We put our work in. We put our work in. We need in. to give a little back, right, for you guys? I know. I guess oh my so. my goodness. I guess so. Okay, well, it's time for you to dish out your elite analysis of these top five plays, beating at number five. Okay, uh, Tyson Jacks, who's uh, in the house here. He's yeah. the sports information director for men's basketball. We call him 10 Mile Tice. 10 Mile Tice, always running. Tight. Moving down the lane for layup, Team Blue. Woo! See, that's just a high level player. Watch this. Uh, <laughs> uh. Oh, the little, oh, the, the step, and then the he Euro step. Back. He had the biggest smile on his face as soon as he hit. Ready? Boom, just cheesing hey, right You want to see who didn't help on defense? Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the ball screen. Hey, could you talk me through that ball screen, D? I, I did not you want like, to give up a three to Spence. That, that was my primary That's motivation. a good excuse, but like, you got to stop. I got to step boy. in. You got to stop. Oh, our, our producer, Colton Potter, great contester. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. that's, that's yeah. an elite uh, contest, but Tice is just an elite player. <laughs> Ten Mile Tice, remember the name. Ten Mile Tice, remember the name. Oh, number four. Let's get this is fantastic. Nice ball movement from the blue team. We had it going early here. This We ran the set oh, play here. Y'all started hot. To set up uh, the open okay. three. Kevin Reynolds, Mitch Harper, okay. And bang. Dude, yeah. that, that would just bring a grown man to tears right there, man. That's just beautiful. Was this early in the game? This was this very was definitely early in the game. I believe this was like our first or second play. Yeah. Because yeah. we were watching this and we were like, dang, Blue's we about to fry. We might be in trouble, yeah. And then y'all got hit with that trap, I that w- half-court trap. I was guarding that guy. I actually helped on defense this time. Hey, yeah, the defense was smooth, but that's just. I was giving that up. Oh, a little bad cut. See, see, I'm watching Mitch deep here. I'm stepping in there, <laughs> but I'm not flying out of the shooter tray. Hey, you just you save the knees. Save the knees for offense. Yep. You're an offensive player, and that's just <laughs> three you know and that. no D. That's you my know game. that. Jimmer you know for that. Day. Number three. Uh, the real MVP here, Ronald Weaver the third. Cookie. 60. What's up? He plays on the BYU rugby team too. He, uh. he was the MVP. Uh. Somehow we got. Uh, oh yeah, just oh the Euro, and okay. then he Before celebrates. And he celebrates with a Euro after. Yeah. If you Before if, and after. If you want to take your attention to the bench right here. I'm sad, it cut, I'm sad it cut off because I did a Euro step all the way to there. But man. I see you. I see look you. At the, Jack, hey, Jack, look at Jax. Look at Jax over there, too. Jax just. Ugh, I just love watching the reaction. See, that's yeah. <laughs> he was so that's funny. That's the real highlight. And then right there, his Instagram. Celebration. His, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. If you don't, follow him because his stories the, the, right after the that's game great. were hilarious. He's living it up. All right, Ronald Weaver back at it. He was the MVP. He was the MVP. Man. Here's the thing where we don't know if it's a carry, travel, I don't know. There's a one play coming up, but we're going we're to see Here's how this Yeah, goes. he gets – so we're supposed to trap. 
Okay, and bleh, 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 one, two, three, four. Okay, yeah. Somehow we got continuation. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to break down on this play because first of all, <laughs> y'all were trying to bring the half court trap that they fried you with. He's got to he's got to block work. off the half court line. And then, hey, we call him ten mile types. We don't call him defensive wall types for a reason. <laughs> um, but if you look right here, he comes, he starts to go. And then there's multiple steps right there. Yeah. <laughs> multiple steps and NBA continuation. I'm calling for it right here. I'm waiting for an open three right but here. But here's the way. thing. Hey, this is my boy J-Mac right here and yep. our other ref, Tanner Hayhurst. They yep. were about the theatrics. They were calling a game just for entertainment. Yep. I get it. And they got the entertainment they were looking for. It was we, a very biased refing. Ref, on some we got a bunch of calls that were terrible. You can see me very, calling very for bad. a travel Benefit. after. Like, very before bad. the shot even goes yeah. up, I'm like, please. And I'm like, please. Please. <laughs> please. Yeah. And you had the game shorts on. Though you swagged out, I respect yeah. it. Let's go. Okay, number one, uh, I, I get a steal uh, uh, on the on the trap. We get it to Ronald Weaver, uh, and uh, we get a bucket. Oh, yeah. oh, Jason Shepard, stolen, yeah, stolen okay, away by Jerem. Way to pass ahead. Way to pass it. I'm like, bro, I he wasn't looking. I was like, Ronald, hey, and one. That could, yeah, that one that was actually an, an and one. one. That right? one should have been an and one. Thank yeah, you. no, that. Thank you, Shep. That's just that, pure. Hey, that's that weak sauce. Hey, that's just length right there, man. That's you can't teach that. You can't teach. You can't teach man. that, man. That's that's your special play. I actually played you. on defense one time. I'm, a, so. I'm just amazed at how slow everybody. Is. <laughs> oh, I know. Looking at this, I'm like, oh my god. I, I, Hurry, I, go, <laughs> go, fast break. Ooh, I, was, wow. I was asking Pope. I was like, hey, are any of these guys you think we're gonna add them to the roster? Because we got a few spots left. And I hate to break it to you, he's not too convinced on a lot of people. We're, we're, we're content. Our NIL deal over here. Is yeah, <laughs> I was like, y'all pretty much got amazed. So y'all straight for Listen, sure. Trey, I'm, I'm happy that you noticed that, I, that you that you liked my my outfit. Hey, okay, that's a win for me. Hey, I'm all about the swag. Oh. I'm all about looking good. You did your thing. You Absolutely. did your thing. To have you had the about you was good. You had the shoes on too. Thanks. I remember the shoes. Thank you. See, they did their thing. Appreciate it, Trey. No problem. Thanks for coming in, man. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> See, ya. appreciate that. Trey Stewart breaking it down. Hey, check out the Deep Blue podcast with Jason Shepard, who turned it over uh, a moment ago. <laughs> Nate Austin, he's he's back. The all-time offensive rebound leader in BYU history is back. He's the director of ops. He is on demand on the Deep Blue podcast and BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. We need to have Trey ask us questions. He can be the media guy, right? Yeah, he totally could do it. Let's do some more. Yeah, yeah. Up next, would you keep BYU as an underdog against TCU this weekend, or are they a favorite in your mind? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow this year program on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your two, what is it? Wednesday what headlines. There you go. Your Sunday. Your Sunday headlines. Yes. BYU football will be missing a few key starters <laughs> on defense when the Cougars take on TCU Saturday. Jay Hill, what's the latest on defense? Uh, ben probably won't play, although he's getting closer each game. Uh, Isaiah Glasker looks like he's got a chance to be back. Um, yeah, not yet. Alfrey, not yet. TCU head coach Sonny Dykes also spoke to the media yesterday and talked about what he expects from backup quarterback Josh Hoover, who will get his first start on Saturday against BYU. I thought he played well once he shut him down. I really did. I thought he did some good things. I thought he showed a lot of poise. You know, I know our players have a lot of confidence in him. You know, I think he's, um, 
you know, got the players' respect. I think the guys like him, and I think they're going to play hard for him. And and um, you know, but he hadn't had a lot of reps, and so there's going to be some some growing up and learning during the game that is, um, you know, not always going to be perfect. But I'm excited to see how he how he does. I expect him to do well. Of 19, 119 passing yards, touchdown, and a pick coming in for the injured Chandler Morris last week in the loss to Iowa State on the road. Pre-game Saturday, 1.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. There's a program that knows not to overlook a backup quarterback. It's BYU. I think so. BYU women's soccer drops one spot in the latest United Soccer Coaches poll to number eight. Boo! The Cougars, 11 wins, one loss, three ties on the season. And they are 4-0-3 in Big 12 play, so no losses there, but three ties. Up next, tough road game at Oklahoma State. Not big on that poll anymore, you know why? There's only eight voters, one for each region. One vote swings it way too much. Yeah, can we get more people voting? There's eight voters. Granted, we're big on a group of 12 here locally, but all good. Okay, uh, Jimmer Fredette playing today in the three on three Doha Challenge in Qatar for Team Miami. Jimmer made a game-winning layup. Send Team Miami through to the semifinals. Finals taking place later today. We're going to see him in the Olympics. BYU men's golf competing in the final round of Big 12 match play this morning after winning one round and losing one round yesterday. Good luck. And the women's golf team finished eighth at the Dale McNamara Invitational yesterday. The Cougars led by Adeline Anderson, who shot a career-best 67 Woo. in the final round on her 21st birthday. Happy birthday. Finishing three under, tied for sixth. That, that's the greatest present she's ever given Seriously, herself. Seriously, like your best athletic performance to date in life happens to be on your 21st and, birthday. And 21st is a big one, right? That's a huge one. <laughs> yes. Wow. Celebrate with some creamery chocolate milk. That's, that's awesome. That's how we <laughs> roll around these parts. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Three games left in the regular season. Big 12 Conference Tournament for number eight women's soccer. Eh, what do the Cougars need to do in order to get a number one seed in the NCAA Tournament? They probably have to win out in Big 12 play, and they probably have to win the Big 12 Tournament. No ties. No ties. Stanford and UCLA are two and five in the United Soccer Coaches Poll. So BYU would host the first two rounds, and then they would go on the road for a Sweet 16 conceivably if it's all chucky. It's not always chucky. But yeah, you'd have to win out and you'd have to hope for some losses. I mean, maybe play. there's like, okay, let's say maybe you have a road tie, but you win the rest of the regular season, but then you win the Big 12 tournament. Now you have an outside shot of getting that last number one seed. Yeah. Uh, BYU probably a two. Probably. Feeling, yeah, yeah, probably. Their RPI is really good. Five. Post the first two rounds, maybe as we If you're a two, you're probably close to the six. Yeah, yeah. We, we will see. A group of NFL writers for ESPN have ranked the top rookies so far this NFL season. They have Puka Nakua at number three. Mm. Is Puka on pace for the best rookie season from any BYU player ever? It sure seems like it. No one has come out of the gates like this. Like it's Steve, been historic. Like Steve Young with the Bucks, man. Like Fred Warner was good, but he wasn't like Fred Warner now, right? Austin Collie had a really good rookie year, but he wasn't putting up these kind of numbers. I, I think he's on pace for something special, man. Uh, has any other former BYU player ever been like a legitimate candidate for NFL Rookie of the Year? No. Puka is in that conversation right now. In 19... No, I don't yeah. it's, it's, This hasn't happened. BYU Tracker on X posted that Women's Hoops is debuting an all-royal uniform Ooh. this year. You like? I like the Royal Rush. Yeah, on the basketball floor. I think that, uh, that looks nice. Let's Absolutely. go. Very simplified design. The Big 12 logo looks fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm on board. Looks good. I want four different colors for basketball, both every year. Royal, navy, black, white. This is this is my hope and prayer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want any drop shadows? My thoughts though? Pray. <laughs> no, I want a drop no. shadow on a football uniform. No. I do. I want the 96 uniforms with the drop shadow. Yeah. I want those. They haven't been officially released, yet we have photos of the women's basketball team in the uniform. It feels like that's released. I don't know how it feels works. like that's out now. <laughs> Cougar pregame live is Saturday on BYU Radio at 1.30 Eastern time as our boy Shep hits the weight room every day hard, getting ready for this show. I don't know what the weight room has to do with the show, but he does it 1.30 Eastern Saturday. After the break, Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs of BYU yeah. Men's Tennis live in Studio B. They'll tell us what's gone into why they're playing at such a high level. The dynamic doubles duo in Studio B after this. This program's on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our throwback Thursday question of the day is this. What's your all-time favorite BYU-TCU moment? Any sport. Ben Peterson on X says, the high five from Riley Nelson. I was five feet away. I was at that game, as was Jerem. Able to witness it in all its glory. The outcome was not what I wanted, but it was fun to be there. So I was, I was sidelined for KSL that season for two games. That was one of them. And uh, there's this, like, button on this, like, you know, Batman utility pack that you yeah. click to yeah. talk. And I just would be hot between Greg and Mark, right? And, and I see the high five, and I'm like, oh, that's great. I got to mention this. I, I flip it on. It takes, like, two seconds to get there. And Mark goes, Riley Nelson just high-fived. The ref, and I was like, "Gosh, dang it, Mark! You have great eyes, and you, you, you let me you report me something." Yeah, no, Mark. Mark was really good, and I was like, "Shoot, I should have added something to that." Like, I've never seen that. Or, I didn't add anything. I was just like, "Mark's better than me." <laughs> He's better his, than me, and his hair smells like cinnamon. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day, presented by Pax Healthcare, elevated from Keith Roberts on X. There's only one right answer. Mm. David Nixon. I agree. Demolishing TCU's quarterback, Jeff Ballard, in the 2006 game. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Send Cougar football off to a 4-1 start and winning in a different way than most expected. Can the Cougars sustain this current model of winning games? And BYU linebacker Harrison Taggart will tell us how he is handling having an increased role for the BYU defense. The kick time thinks a storyline. Who's talking about it besides us and does it really have anything to do with winning? And the dominant duo of Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs of Cougar Men's Tennis are in studio. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, October 11th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man whose team is also out of the Major League Baseball World Series hunt, Jerem Jordan. There's only one team that hasn't made it to the World Series, I believe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yes, it was, it was Washington, but then they went and won like three years ago or whatever, right? Uh, yeah, it's just the Marineros. So yeah, no, I, I, uh, I feel your pain. I'm grieving um, today. I feel your pain, but, uh, the Mariners did win a series last year, uh, when they got in, then they were swept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Orioles won the American League East, mm -hmm. 101 wins on the season. Magical. Ahead of schedule and then didn't win a playoff game. And then, uh, got... 
swept. And that so. is that is the unfortunate uh, AO West reality. Get, as sometimes. good as the AL East is, that AO West will get you. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for grieving with me. Yeah, I'm not actually. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, what a great friend. I, uh, you know what? Every man for himself with protein. <laughs> All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Intercepted, touchdown, Jacob Robinson. And the blitzer gets it, Eckhart, the ball's loose. Cougars on the takeaway. Winning in different ways has been the theme for BYU football this season. What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. The Cougars, 4-1 and coming off a nice conference win against Cincinnati in their Big 12 home opener, trying to take this winning mojo back out on the road where it has not been good, especially in the afternoon, but that we will discuss later. I'm so happy that's a talking point. Can BYU sustain (laughs) this model when they get into the actual games, Jerem, of not putting together big offensive numbers, but being opportunistic with turnovers and field position and can they sustain this to have something special happen over the final seven games of the season? Wait, you're saying putting together 319 yards of total offense isn't sustainable <laughs> per game? Uh, somehow, BYU was 4-1. and one. Let's first talk about how. You mentioned a few of these, but uh, three things stick out. Takeaways, plus seven in wins, minus three in loss, as I mentioned yesterday. Number two, average starting field position. Plus 5.4 this year. Now, you may say, no, that's a big number. what is five yards? A big Does number. that really matter? Well, BYU's 4-0 when winning it, 0-1 when losing it this year. Klan Sitake, 50-9 when winning it in the, the Sitake era, 10-27 when losing it. Uh, punting, BYU's 13th in net punting. Two takeaways on those punts, by the way, um, this year. Ryan Rico, third at 49, a punt this season. Number three, explosive plays. You look at just the two big wins of Arkansas and Cincinnati. You had 11 pass plays of 15-plus. Four of those were touchdowns. Yes. L.J. Martin also had a 29- and 45-yard TD run in those games. Those three reasons stick out. Is it sustainable against who BYU is playing? I don't think so. Like, Unless you're getting plus two every game, Spence, which will not happen – then it would be. But you are not going to be able to maintain um, the, the, the plus seven. Like, I mean, plus four overall is really nice. That's, that's a good number. Jay Hill on that defense has done a nice job. Stop rates number 25, as the Athletic mentioned yesterday. So th- those are all good. Can BYU sustain that against an increased schedule of TCU, Texas Tech, who looks good. I know they have a couple losses, but they look good. And uh, Texas, and then you get into – to November when you have Oklahoma, you have West Virginia, you have two winnable games in there. I don't think it's sustainable. I think BYU needs to be able to run the ball better. They're going to have to create some offense some game. They're going to have to win a shootout um, at some point. You could argue that Arkansas was sort of a shootout, but that was a takeaway game, again, where BYU won it via that model. Some takeaways are merit and based and earned. Others are just kind of lucky, like – uh, a, a guy didn't hold on to the ball well. You you punched it out, but other times that quarterback's got to throw you the rock sometimes. Yeah. Last week, TCU turned it over um, a couple of times where it was like, who are you throwing to? Like, J.P. Richardson, the receiver, throws this receiver pass that is right to an Iowa State guy. The first pick 
from Chandler Morris was right to the Iowa State linebacker. Brutal. Like, that's kind of just lucky that he threw you the rock. you got to be there. So, overall, no, I don't think this model of winning will be sustainable in the final seven against the schedule. BYU's got to be better on offense to help out the defense when, say, it may be an even margin in a game or two. Okay, let's say that BYU does go plus four in the turnover margin over the next five games to compare to the first five games. Yeah. And they win the field position battle by 5.4 yards per game in the next five games. But they don't put up big offensive numbers. Just over 300 yards, 319 yards a game. <laughs> That's so low, man. It's not going to beat Texas. No way. But it might beat TCU and Texas Tech. Yes, but can you actually do those things against those teams? Like, yes, those numbers are good. So this model, we're discussing strictly the model, which is... But can you maintain the model? You win the turnover battle, you win field position, and you have mediocre at best offense. But you have explosive plays after turnovers. I would argue it's not mediocre, it's bad. Okay, that is the model that BYU has used to win. So the the topic you bring up is... Well, can BYU even, like, keep doing what they've been doing? It's going to be hard. If the model continues to exist, then, yeah, you can well, beat sure. TCU. You can beat Texas Tech. It's going to take something special to beat Texas. You probably need to be plus two in the turnover margin. You have to win the field position battle, and you need to be able to run the ball and probably put up at least, you know, 375 or 400 yards of total offense, which BYU has not done in any of the previous five games. Zero 400-yard performances. BYU's best offensive what? performance yards-wise was in the loss against Kansas. Because they're playing from behind and soft defense. Needed to chuck it, yeah, sure. Score game. But just it's there are so many weird numbers involved in the first five. But yeah. four and one? That's surprising. If, because this model has been prevalent. So if Enjoy the, it now. If the model it, it remains. If the model remains, winning turnover battle, winning field position, explosive plays, <laughs> yeah. yes, BYU is going to win two of the next three. This is like in basketball saying, yes, if BYU continues to shoot 45% from three. Like, no, they're can, not going to do that. Can they shoot 60% for the game? <laughs> I'm like, no. Typically, there's like a leveling off, right? A, a, a regression to the mean. Now, the takeaways thing, that could be interesting. The field position thing. Like Ryan Rico. Field position to me is absolutely sustainable because of Rico. Brother Ryan Rico. Yes. He's he's so good. The explosive plays have been the offense's calling card. Do you guys even know what a calling card is? Like our students in the do you nope, shaking head no. Okay, a calling card. You used to have a card to call. Once upon a time you'd plug in a code and it would allow you to talk for a certain number of minutes. Like you didn't have cell phones. You had to go to a (laughs) payphone somewhere. Anyways, that's been the calling card. Um for BYU and, and LJ Martin, here's the 29 yard run, right, against Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I hope that BYU can keep this going. Like, can you accidentally cho- throw Chase Roberts again? Like, <laughs> BYU is 4 and 1, and it's awesome. I'm really enjoying it. BYU should probably be 3 and 2, um, you know, but they're ahead of schedule. Yeah. And, and uh, I want to give Aaron Roderick Credrick, uh, Aaron Roderick. Credrick. I like the credit. The Credrick. Hey, the Credrick goes to Aaron. <laughs> it does, man. I want to give him credit because yeah. he has dialed up some amazing play calls once BYU has taken the ball back on turnovers or after fourth down Quick stops. strikes. Yeah, so yeah. he that is something. So BYU has Aaron Roderick, and they have Ryan Rico. So some of these things are like, okay, yeah, you can sustain that because you have personnel that – have proven that they can do this. Keaton Slovis should be on your list. Again and again too. and again. And Keaton, what has Keaton Slovis done to, to make us think, 
gosh, BYU's not going to be able to win games. Like he's he's been fantastic. Yes, uh, he's he's um, could could he put up bigger numbers? Yes, sure. But has he put BYU in position to win after the defense has has helped him out? Like I would argue, the defense has been the winning engine right now and special teams, and then the offense has taken advantage of what those two sides of the ball have set up BYU to do, and that is complementary team football, and that has been awesome. Can BYU keep that going against an increased toughness and strength of schedule? That is the question. It's tough. There's going to be a leveling off. It's not going to be as dramatic with the turnover margin and maybe not as dramatic in field position when you take on better competition. But BYU could still be plus one and could be maybe a couple yards better in field position. And they still have Aaron Roderick, who deserves the credit for drawing up explosive plays when BYU takes advantage of a miscue from the opponent. What will that mean in the final seven games? I am hoping it's a winning record, four and three. Right. I'd take three and four. And we think it's going to be three and four. Yeah. Because we expect the leveling off to happen. And the schedule, yes. It's a combination, right? Can BYU maintain this level of takeaway expertise and and prowess? I don't know, man. Like, to some degree, like I said, takeaways are lucky. But BYU's been pretty pretty good at it. Well, can BYU play every game at night? Because then maybe they can sustain it. Topic two, (laughs) the day-night thing. Let's chat. It is a thing. If you don't want it to be a thing, I don't care. Um, I'm glad people are noticing. Uh, Mitch Harper, KSLSports.com, writes an article. <laughs> Jay Drew um, asks Jay Hill a question, which I'll get to in a second. Reddit, college football does a thing about how BYU's vampires. Have we not mentioned BYU being vampires before? We have. We weren't the first. We won't be the last. Cougars and hunt at night. Nate Slack brought this up a couple years ago. I've tried to push this agenda. Here we are. Since 2019, when kickoff is 6 p.m. or later, local to site, BYU's 26-3. and Yep. 14-3 and three before six. Mm-hmm. If you take out five FCFs wins the last five years, 9-13 and 13 against FBFs competition before six. <sighs> so a couple of Jays were talking yesterday, Drew and Hill, and uh, Drew asked Hill about it. Jay, what say ye? I don't know. I mean, it's probably something that the coaches need to reflect on, but do we make a big deal of it with our players? Absolutely not. Um, I don't put any stock in that because the reality is no matter when you kick off, you better be ready to go. And it's not for the coaches to pound into the player's head. It's just something for us to talk about, right? But uh, Jay was, was kind of asked and surmised, like, well, what is it home and away? Ah, I got the numbers. That's what we do here. Uh, BYU's 8-3 uh, and three, uh, at home before 6, 6-10 six and ten away, okay? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, three and three at home versus uh, FBS teams. If you take out the FCS, mm-hmm. nine and thirteen overalls we mentioned. Here's the P5 thing with TCU road game this week: two and six versus P5 before six. Um, one and four um, away from Provo. That includes neutral. The one win was at Washington State in 2021. So there's a lot of numbers. We've given you some some stuff. Where's the winning number in that, Jerem? Show me that. Uh, the, the winning number? Uh, the winning number is 26 and 3. But uh, mm. pre 6, there's not a lot of winning numbers. There's not! So, okay, so how much of a thing is this? Like, what, what do we make of the kick time in relation to winning? Because it's too stark to ignore. One of our buddies, Tyson Hutchins, was discussing with me yesterday that he, as an individual, just feels like when the game kicks off early, he's behind. Like, he's rushed compared to when and he does social media and does 
an incredible job leading the BYU social media team. All those amazing videos and recaps stuff. Tyson, Stu Call, those guys are, are leading that charge. But he said, I kind of get it because when we are covering a night game, I feel like I've had my day to get everything done. Like what? And now I can just like do my thing at night. And he's like, maybe there is some type of mind shift in an athlete's head when it's like, okay, you've been able to watch football all day. You've had time to think about it. And then like, now it's go time at night. There are night people and there are morning people. For sure. In the human race. You're always a night team. Perhaps the majority of the players on BYU teams in the Satake era are just naturally night people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It is so difficult to explain. Like, why is this happening? I have some people ask me, why does it happen? I don't know, but it is happening. It, I'm just, yes, my agenda with this is not to, to tell you um, the why. The why, it's just that it is. Okay, <laughs> so Reddit College Football did an article. Here, I'm going to read some of this. BYU's a vampire team confirmed. Since 2020, BYU's 21-0 in games without sunlight. And 12-10 and 10 in games with sunlight. That is, that is nuts. Quality of opponent doesn't seem to matter. Without sunlight, BYU beat four ranked teams, 8P5s. With sunlight, BYU played two ranked teams in 7P5s, but won only two of these games. Now, things get weirder. When, oh, who is this by, by the way? Uh, Kruger Denning, 21 hours ago. Nice work, Kruger. Uh, during the day portion of these games, BYU was outscored 82-103. to 103. Uh, During the night portion, BYU outscored its opponents 110-82. I'm guessing Vegas understands this issue, too. Despite losing their QB and having a worse record, TCU favored by five. And now it's a to six. six. TCU is now a six-point favorite because I'm telling you, <laughs> the bank of the desert okay. who collaborates with whoever you want to believe they collaborate with, yeah. they, they're paying attention to this. It's, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like I've been, I've been pushing it mainly because it's pushing some of your buttons, and, and that's how I operate. But like, it is a thing. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it is a thing. Can BYU overcome 9-13 and, and uh, get a win? Absolutely they can. I don't believe that winning is dictated on kickoff either. I'm just saying these numbers are weird. That's it, all I'm saying. It, it just, it's amazing that the one game that BYU lost this year just so happened to fit into that afternoon. Well, well, well. <laughs> BYU needs to win this game at TCU. Win the game. So that we can, like, and next squelch week. this a little bit. And next week, because that's pre-six. It's true. But it is at home. Because <sighs> at home, it's still... We're th- mainly what? looking at road day games P5. Like, <laughs> BYU 1-4 and four in those moments. That's not a ton of volume, but... You gotta beat TCU and squelch this thing a little bit, man. Do it. Shut me up already. Gosh. Like, I love the vampire thing. I love that cougars hunt at night, but can we prey on some beasts in the field in the day? Yeah. <laughs> Lions hunt it in the day, too. Well, they're super sleepy. They sleep 21 out of 24 <laughs> hours. I just went to the San Diego Zoo and learned that. That was great. All right, our question today, straight up. Because I know some of you are like, it's completely coincidental. Enough. It's just a coincidence. It's stupid. These guys don't know what they're talking about. Hey, do I agree with you most of the time. Do you believe that kick time has anything to do <laughs> with BYU's football or BYU football's recent success or struggles? And who should get the credit, Rick? Does, <laughs> does the kick time <laughs> have anything to this, do with the result of, of the game? greatest questions ever. At Coulter Gill on X okay. answers. Here we go. I don't, he says, I don't usually look at trends. Yeah. 
But something is definitely going on if you look at the win-loss record. Yes! And also how the team performs. Uh-huh. Could say its opponents. However, BYU has beaten multiple top 25 and even a top 10 team at night recently. Yep. So something is definitely going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't know what it is, but something's going on. <sighs> why? Is, we is, don't know why. It is October. BYU for Trey on X answers, it's completely coincidental. Break down where they played and who they played. There's only like a couple of bad losses. Boise State 2021 in Provo. Oh, you want to talk about bad losses? And ECU 2022 at night in Provo. There are a lot of yeah. losses to yeah. really good teams. Okay, I'll give you the losses. This is in not in chronological order. I don't know what order I have this sorted in. Oh, it's just Homer Road and neutral. Okay, the losses of the 13, right? Day pre-six. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, Boise State. Those are quality, right? Mm-hmm. Washington, Notre Dame. UAB e. at Baylor at okay. Coastal right? at Hawaii uh. at Kansas at Liberty at Oregon Gross. at South Florida uh, at South Florida Gross. yeah uh, that was a terrible loss yes how uh, at Toledo? Toledo at Toledo no listen there's BYU, some bad ones BYU in there. for Trey there's I, some bad ones I in there. I, I kind of want to agree with you but no that list right there yeah. tells me everything I need to know. Okay. At, we, at USF and at Toledo back to back in 2019 afternoon games. Those were bad football teams. Young team that got better 2020-20. Okay, poll results. We put a poll out on this one. Okay, yes is beating definitely not 52 to 48. Half of <laughs> half of, half of you believe. <laughs> <laughs> we believe. It's the 14th article of faith. Again, Let's our go. objective here is not to try and explain why. We don't know why. <laughs> we don't know why. I'm telling you. I'm, what are we, James the Mormon? We're not telling you why. We don't know. We just think that it is a thing. Sit up here and talk all day. Okay, BYU Football with Kalani Sataki is on demand. Last night, Max Tooley was on the show. Great show. It's on the BYU TV app or on BYUSN.com. Up next, I go one-on-one with the man who is largely replacing the injured Ben Bywater. Mm. It's Harrison Taggart, the transfer from Oregon. And we tackle, no pun intended, Eh. a ton of topics. I feel like you intended. How does he feel about his increased role on defense? This is BYU Sports Nation. Targeting on you. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation BYU gets pressure and blocks it the punt is blocked Jones keeps it gets inside the five and then is stood up and thrust back we are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Going off what we were just talking about, maybe we should host our show after 6 p.m. Uh, no, I would like a live. <laughs> I don't have much of one, but I'd like Okay, disregard. Strike it from the record. Uh, morning show. Unless you're East Coast, then it's uh, lunchtime. Hi. What's up? Hey, there you go. Yeah. Harrison Taggart has had a very, very interesting last 12 months of his life. Transfers from Oregon is a backup linebacker, now has been thrust into the spotlight in a starting role because of star linebacker Ben Bywater's injury at Kansas. He's trying to make the most of it. And certainly, with 10 tackles against Cincinnati, that is, in a way, making the most of it. How does he feel about his increased role and the underdog mentality that BYU has played with for all of their Power 5 games this season? This is BYU Sports Nation with Harrison Taggart. 
Harrison, TCU week after a bye week. I've been asking a bunch of your teammates, so I'm going to ask you the same question. What was the best part of the bye week for you individually? Mm, best part of the bye week was sleeping in. Um, <laughs> get up at 6.30 every day. It's nice to sleep in past that. So, What does sleeping in qualify as for you? Depended the day. I was usually up by 8.30 or 9, but some days a little past that. Some of your teammates, it's like noon. So Yeah, I learned that. Or even the late afternoon. You're like, how do you sleep that late, man? But, yeah, no, I was up. I had class. But, yeah, it was nice to get a few extra hours of sleep. So yeah. Always nice to get more sleep for sure. How much football did you watch on last Saturday when you didn't have a game? Um, every day. we watched. I was up watching the TCU-Iowa game. Um, and then just all the other TCU games just to take advantage of that extra bye week that a lot of people didn't have that last week. It's the next step forward. So, What did you learn about TCU's team watching their game at Iowa State in Ames? Um, they're a really, really physical physical team. Um, they love running the ball. Um, their receivers are really, really physical at the point of attack too. Um, so, yeah. How similar are they to any of the previous five teams you've seen this season? Like, Who would they compare closest to in your opinion? Um, I feel like they run a lot of the same scheme that Kansas runs. Um, they're a unique team. They're definitely a unique team. Um, but they run a lot of the same things that Kansas runs. You've been thrust into an additional spotlight with one of your brothers in the linebackers room, Ben Bywater, being out and injured. So how has your role changed the most in the last few weeks? Um, I've really had to take on a leadership role. I mean, being at that Mike backer, you have to know the ins and outs of the defense. Um, Ben's been amazing helping me. He's pointed out like hey good job here but you can fix this here Ben's Ben's amazing I can't wait to have him back he's a baller what's it like to go out on the field and, and work beside Max Tooley and, and AJ Vong Pachan it's amazing last game was something crazy they they have this different switch when they're on the field and I don't even know how to describe it. it's just an extra light that comes on um, they bring the energy and it fuels your system too so yeah how would you explain your learning curve being out on the field the last few games? Um, just the speed. On the field versus in practice, there's a different type of speed. Um, that's been one of the main learning curves. I also like pass concepts and routes, um, something else I need to pick up on a little better, but yeah. I mean, it's tough. There are some hard lessons, you know? I mean, you've been doing some great things. You've learned some hard lessons, so let's explore both of those kind of polar opposites. Like, what's what's been the, the, the area where you've grown the most, do you think? Area I've grown the most, um, run fits and understanding concepts. Um, a lot of teams, I don't think people realize this, they run the exact same things. It's just fits and how they run them, um, just disguises. Um, so I've learned a lot about scheme. Um, area improvement is learning route concepts because it's the same thing with routes. You're just building concepts, you know what I mean? So, How do you handle that? Because this is it's a tough situation to be kind of thrown into and you got a very intense defensive coordinator, and you've got some coaches that care a lot. So what's that like for you? It's good. Um, you listen to the message, not the tone. Um, and I learned that from a young age in football, but these coaches incorporate it to listen to the message, not the tone. Um, and honestly, if you listen to the tone too, it just fires you up even more. So, yeah, love these coaches. How do you match up with TCU going back to the Horn Frogs you talked about their physicality and, and the different run schemes and, and things that they're going to try and throw against BYU's defense but how do you feel like this defense matches up against their offense you know, I think we're a great fit against TCU we run a lot of things that I love against TCU I think our size and our physicality especially shown this week in practice um, it's going to be great for what TCU runs what were you working on in practice this week specifically I heard a lot about just fundamentals and tackling what 
Like, what what did that entail at practice as you, as you prepare for this this new game? Like you said, fundamentals. We just broke it down at the start of the week, coming off the bye. Um, what we need to do better, focusing on us rather than TCU right away. Um, and then scheme, just breaking down the scheme and getting back to the day one things. Um, and then physicality at the point of attack. That was huge this week, or is huge this week. So, the underdog role is something that has been prevalent for BYU. In fact. All four Power 5 games, including this weekend at TCU, BYU will go in as an underdog. You've won two of the previous three. So how do you approach that specific scenario? I didn't even know we're the underdog. Um, That's a great question. I don't know. I don't approach it like we're an underdog. I approach it like we're the man on top, Um, and they have to face us. I mean, we haven't shown we're playing down to anybody. We're always playing up and playing above and beyond what they're playing. So, yeah, I haven't had the underdog mentality this season, I don't think. Many of my teammates have either, so yeah. Does it drive you at all? Does does it does it bother you at all? Like, does it motivate you? Yeah, it does definitely. Um, like I said, I didn't think we were the underdogs. I never think like we're the underdogs, but there are a few games you go into knowing like, okay, this is a previous national championship team. Maybe we're the underdogs, um, and that's definitely a lot of motivation knowing that you can go and kick off a top dog. Um, but really for us and the team, I don't think anybody has the underdog mindset. Preparing for a backup quarterback can always be a unique challenge. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some film on what TCU is going to put out on the field, but what type of a quarterback are we going to see on Saturday from TCU? Um, we're expecting a really athletic, versatile quarterback. Um, like you said, it's always a challenge um, facing a new quarterback that you haven't seen film on, but we're just, like we said, breaking down the fundamentals, and if we play our game, it should go the way we want. All right, a couple of quick hitters at the end. You, you're you one of the more exuberant, uh, very, very expressive players on the field, and, and you love to interact with the crowd. What's it been like for you at BYU? Running down and facing the rock is, is like something I can't even describe it. Like you throw up one hand, and all of a sudden it's roaring. Um, it's awesome. The fan base is really interactive. It's really loud. They've always got your back. I love, I love the BYU fan base. Um, and I love that they support my crazy mentality because it's awesome. So, What's it been like for you and your family to be back close to home and competing for BYU and playing in a larger role? You know, it's been really awesome. Um, it's been nice being able to hang out with my mom on the weekends, going home on a Sunday and being able to hang out with them, seeing my little siblings. Um, my sister's also running track here too, which is really fun being close to her if I need somebody to cook something for me. I'll just shoot her a text and be like, hey, I'm kind of hungry. You want to come over? So, no, it's been awesome. I've loved being back with the fam. What's the go-to meal that your sister makes for you on campus? Mm, Dude, she made quite a few things so far. Um, She made this pad thai the other day. It was was so good. Well, if it creates good vibes and gets you ready for TCU, more pad thai, yeah? That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, thank you. Harrison, thanks for being with us. We appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Harrison Taggart, BYU linebacker, playing a very important role in Jay Hill's defense with no Ben Bywater on the field. And Jeremy has the yeah. right amount of crazy. He's There's got a certain amount. Yeah, he's got yeah. the wide-eyed energy. Like mm-hmm. he has the right amount of crazy to be a potentially great linebacker at BYU. The twitch. I told you yesterday. He kind of reminds me of a young Brady Papinga. Like he just is. He just got that twitch, yes. that energy. Where you're like, I don't know what your next move is. <laughs> Brandon Ogletree had that look too. Where yes. I was like. Are you going to strangle a deer uh, at some point in the next five months? I don't know. Like, you, you want that right amount of crazy, right? Um, and, yeah, who knows when Ben's coming back because we know that Ben is not playing this weekend. Yes. So, well, and it's tough because, like, 
It was his shoulder, clearly, at Kansas. He's had multiple shoulder injuries and it is shoulder concerning. surgeries. It's like it is concerning. How much can you really expect from Ben Bywater the rest of the season based on where it happened again? So like, you, is BYU used to know Ben Bywater? Is BYU used to know uh, no quite yet? Uh, maybe after this game, um, BYU's used to know Aiden Robbins. Like anything that he contributes at this point will be a bonus because um, he he hurt. Uh, you know, it sounds like some ribs. What, yeah. And then, um, mm, pad thai, ribs, it all sounds good. It's uh, getting to be lunchtime almost. Yes. Um, okay, uh, Cody Epps. BYU's used to know Cody Epps at this point. So the, good, the bad news is, oh, shoot, you haven't had these guys. The good news is you're 4-1, and one and you've had some capable guys fill in. We're sitting here talking about 4-1 and one with L.J. Martin, a true freshman. Like, what if Aiden Robbins comes into the, the mix and now BYU has a one-two punch there? And he's um, finally healthy and feeling decent. What if Cody Epps can play and contributes? What if, uh, you know, Ben Bywater could make it back? That'd be great. But for now, these guys aren't in the mix. you got to go. The safeties haven't operated under that. No Mike Harper for the season. No Talon Alfrey. No, it's Ethan Slade and Tanner Wall. Right? And Raider DeMooney. And Raider DeMooney. How, how, I know we got to move on. Malik Moore must be in, the, in a massive doghouse, by the way. Because the fact that he does not play at all and he's not injured is very, is very odd to me. <sighs> Interesting stuff. I mean, he must be in the doghouse well, for whatever reason. I don't know all the deets there, but took a bad angle at Arkansas. We have not seen that guy since. Long season. It's tough. We'll see if he can get himself back on the field and competing in that safety position. If he showed up there, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you. Then again, Talon, Moore, Talon good Alfrey, we, we expect to get healthy in the next few weeks. Yeah. That's going to make it that much tougher yeah. for Malik to get on the field. Yeah, more experience suddenly. Slash, are they, are they playing good enough? I think they are. Is BYU's defense good enough without Ben Bywater and Talon Alfrey to win at TCU? Are they, are they used to it enough? Are they used to it enough? You just have to deal in what you, what you got, right? Uh, BYU send game day coming up Saturday. Join us. 1.30 Eastern time. Oh, guest analyst, Austin Collie. Okay. Be on the program. So uh, it's going to be awesome, man. Check it out. 1.30 Eastern Saturday, live from Fort Worth in Provo. Indeed. BYU women's soccer nearing tournament time. In a few ways. Is a number one seed in the NCAA tournament still within reach for the mm, Cougars? Interesting. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to Studio B on a Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. You know what I was correct? Not a Tuesday. It's okay. Whatever. I'm going to give you the credit, Rick. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. It's on demand whenever you want. Listen to this whenever you want. It's true. Watch this it whenever. This is the day and age we live in. Uh, we are super excited to have a dynamic doubles duo from BYU Men's Tennis with us here. Wally Thane and Zach We Fuchs. wish we were as good of a duo as these guys are. It's true. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's <laughs> tough wish. to be. I mean, they, all they do, it feels like, is win. Like, know, we were we, just joking. Like, we say your name so much in association with, with winning. winning. Yep. <laughs> so, first of all, congratulations on all of your success this year, and uh, it's great to have you in Studio B. Thank you. Thanks here. for having us. Okay, yeah, thank you. some background here. Uh, you have transferred away from two former BYU rivals, or I guess one former in Gonzaga and one still current in, in Utah. But why? we'll start with you, Wally. Why was BYU the right place for you leaving Utah and coming to Provo? Um, I would just have to say the culture here at BYU is just unlike anywhere I've ever been. And, um, you know, just surrounded by such great people and 
the opportunity to be part of such great sports programs and receive a great education. And Zach Gunzhager, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was it was cool cool to be there. But my my mom went here, it runs in the family kind of, and and uh, Wally told me he was transferring when we were down in California together, and and I saw that's a great opportunity to play play with some friends and play with people of the same faith and. It's also also probably a little better school than in Gonzaga and and uh, here here yeah <laughs> okay so <laughs> you guys school too you guys yeah. go yeah. way back then yeah. like so you you had an established relationship you heard the news and you're like okay let's do this thing at BYU how far mm -hmm. back does this relationship go uh, we met about two summers ago in Newport Beach and just started training together and um, yeah he was at Gonzaga I had just been at Utah and I was actually committed to UC Irvine. And then one day I was just at BYU hanging out with some friends, and I was like, oh, maybe this would be a better fit for me. And then, yeah, I like to take credit for, for Zach coming to BYU. I kind of... <laughs> he recruited me. Yeah, I kind of recruited <laughs> Zach a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Wally, on your bio, it says your dad played on the ITF tour for tennis mm -hmm. and the Uruguay Junior World Cup team. Tell, mm -hmm. me, what, tell me about those two. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, um, soccer and tennis have always been the sports in our family, and so I grew up playing both of those sports. In about middle school, I decided to just stick with tennis, and that's the what my dad did also. Is he from Uruguay? Yeah, his parents are from Uruguay. And, Very cool. Um, yeah, but he grew up here in Utah. Awesome. All right, when did you discover that this doubles duo was going to be special? Like, what, what was the moment? Was that two years ago? Pro <laughs> when you met, you're like, let's do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we were pretty good friends starting off, like, just when we first met two years ago, we started hitting a lot together, and, and I mean, I followed him to BYU, so it, it was, there was something there with our, our dynamic, and and I think we played a lot of tournaments, and it kind of built it up, and we went through different partners, and eventually all clicked together at regionals in, in last year, and it, it's been great since, and yeah, it, it, there's a good good team chemistry right there, I'd say, so... Yeah. Zach, were you always going to play college sports because uh, brother played tennis at Ohio State, sister at Southern Virginia, uncle swam at Arizona State, uncle swam at UC Irvine, cousin swam at South Dakota, cousin played soccer at Pacific? Well, I, Is there like I, family I, pressure here? Yeah, I, I had to. I had to live up to the to the, the family uh, routine, I guess, you know. What? Um, yeah. Both of you are really tall. Like you're, what, 6'5"? Yeah, then yeah. You're, Pretty tall too, right? And six four. Six well, four. Six four. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know tennis as much as Spence, who, who worked in Palm Springs. Are you guys tall tennis players? They're not yeah. John Isner, but they're tall, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We're, I know. We're, that we're, that we're up there. Yeah. We're up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Do you guys play other sports? Like, you can play basketball, take on other um, people on camp, or how, uh, soccer for you, that. maybe? I mean, I, I can maybe dunk if I worked on it for a little week or so. <laughs> maybe dunk at six five. Let's go, yeah. man. <laughs> it's a different twitchiness and yeah. a different set Slightly of muscles different. required mm -hmm. to your, be your lateral movement is yes, more defined. Yeah. You've again, you've already accomplished so much. In fact, you both qualified for the ITA All American championships what was that experience like for you and and the follow-up question there is what's what's next after everything you have accomplished so we'll start with what what was that first experience like well it was great um going down there because all the best players in the country and teams are down there and and we got the opportunity to compete against them and I mean it was a little tough coming from from air force 7,000 feet to Oklahoma which is humid and, and sea level but we adjusted pretty well, and and it was just a great experience to be competing with those guys. Cause it's kind of, kind of where the stage you want to be on if you're, if you're playing tennis. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the elevation thing in tennis? Is that a thing? Like yeah. when people come from volleyball, they're like, oh, the ball sails. Mm. Football. I get tired in the fourth quarter. How is it in tennis? It makes a big difference because mm. the ball just goes through the air so much faster and it goes further. So 
when you come from sea level to high altitude, the ball is going to fly there is long. A difference. Yeah. 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 And then it's going to come up short when you go from altitude to sea level. So even at Air Force, at 4,500 feet here, it's like 7,000 there. Yes. You guys were it's, like, oh, it's, even it's crazy. we're affected? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, usually it's people come here, like, what's going on? And yeah. we're, we're going up there, and we have the same feeling that those people do when they come play us. So, you guys are hitting 200-mile-an-hour yeah, serves. No, it, 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 it was great, though. No great. resistance in the air. <laughs> Good, so yeah. Good luck on that. <laughs> okay, so, Wally, what's next for you guys? What's the next attainable, reachable goal for you? Well, we qualified for Fall Nationals um, after winning our region, and that'll be first time for both of us going there, and that'll be in San Diego in November. So we're getting ready for that. San Diego uh, in November. Yeah. yeah. I was just there over the weekend. Fantastic. Yeah, pretty yeah. nice. Well done. <laughs> how many teams are there and, and represented? Like, how, What type of a group are you competing against? Um, I mean, it's definitely the top players. I'm, do, you, do you know how many? I think, I think it's only a draw of 32 teams okay. for doubles. Yeah. So not a, not a okay. huge bracket. Mm -hmm. yeah. Look at yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Let's it's, go. It's solid. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have like... I know you want to win it. You want to win everything. Yeah. Do you have like a round that you have circled? Like, it'd be nice if we could be like a Sweet 16 team or like get to the final eight. I mean, sweet, 16, sweet 16 would be great. But yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, I think Wall and I both believe we can win. And, and I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy if, if we do, but it's definitely a, a goal in mind. I think it's a realistic goal for us. So I think it'd be, but Sweet 16 would be pretty sick. Yeah. Quarterfinals. I mean, as, as long as we win a few rounds, that'd be that'd be great. Cool. <laughs> now let's really look ahead for you guys. Does this translate to pickleball? These skills <laughs> mm, depends who you ask. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> it's pretty brutal for me. I gotta got say. say. You guys yeah. play pickleball? Do you know? We've yeah, played a little bit. I played a little bit. You stay yeah. out of the kitchen. Uh, I, I I sometimes fall in it, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, that's the, I'm learning. I'm that's learning. your post-career. Like now you're with everybody else. You're like, you guys suck. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Well, you asked about pickleball. Does the game translate to ping pong? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Don't you think? So, I mean, let's my, go. This, this, this serves the best part of my game, and and it's not a serving ping pong. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not great. for me. Not for me. Yeah. Hey, um, listen. You, you you're enjoying great success. We're super stoked for you. Can't wait to hear how things go and watch things at nationals. Let's go, Sweet Sixteen yeah. and beyond, man. Let's go. Let's go. Give you some luck. BYU Sports Nation Give karma some good for that. Karma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for Thank coming you. in. Nice yeah. to meet you guys. Nice to meet you guys. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Okay, well, check out Hinkley Ropati's Deep Blue if you missed it last night. It aired. It's on demand as well on BYUSN.com, the BYU TV app. Incredible story. His mom passed away. He had a, a real kind of vendetta out for BYU after telling him he was a little too small. Well, Hinkley Ropati has battled back towards AC on fall camp, still going through stuff. It is a really good one. Check it out. Up next, it's time to get to know TCU in a way that only we do in Studio B. It's Know the Foe Horned Frogs Edition. You ready to lose again? <laughs> Absolutely not. Let's go. This is Sports Nation. Let's go. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, uh, Cody and Parker are doing a good job, and, and they'll both play in the game, yeah. Um, not sure yet. That one I that one I do not know yet, yep. Has he been dealing with that all season? Yeah, he has. It's been, it's, it's been a pain because he's able to do some things at practice, but he's not quite able to play yet. And um, I think we're getting close, but I don't know yet. 
That sure sounds like it. Yep. Uh, Pre-game coverage begins at 1.30 Eastern Saturday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Another name to keep an eye out on is Waylon Lapuaho, and I'll keep you updated there. Number eight, BYU women's soccer on the road for a massive Big 12 game at Oklahoma State tonight. Really feels like conference title hopes on the line. BYU trails Texas Tech by four points in the Big 12 standings. You can watch the game 8 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. You got a tournament now, you know? You don't win the regular season, you go and win go the in tournament. Go in, Tony. It's all good. Andy Reid and the Chiefs play the Broncos tonight on Thursday Night Football. Also, Daniel Sorensen will be elevated to the Saints 53-man roster for this week's game against the Texans. Congrats to Daniel and Kyle Van Noy. Both. Who were like off the radar and then on 53 because they can play the game. Absolutely. Jimmer Fredette, speaking of guys who can play their respective game, helped Team Miami take third place in the three-on-three -three Doha Challenge in Qatar yesterday. He's very much a world traveler. He's all over the place. Them sky miles is pretty good. And BYU men's golf took ninth at the Big 12 match play event yesterday after beating Kansas in the final round. Cougs are led by Cooper Jones, who canned a long cool. putt to win his match. That's awesome. I thought it was 50 feet. Todd Miller corrected me. He says it's more like 40 feet. But still. Oh, only 40? An eagle from 40 feet to win the match. Summon your eagle powers. <laughs> well done, Coop. Those are today's headlines. Now, some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. West Virginia plays Houston tonight in Big 12 play, so we need the pick for Big 12 Roundup. West uh -huh. Virginia favored uh -huh. by a measly two and a half. Who you got? Can't believe I'm going to do this. You going to Houston? I'm taking oh! Houston because because of the Oklahoma State beating Kansas State and Iowa State beating TCU. Kind of weird trend. Okay. The Big 12 feels very unpredictable, especially for road teams. I hate the BYU's on the road this week, but whatever. So I, I'm I'm taking Houston to cover here, not win, but just. Maybe it's a one-point game. West Virginia could still win it. Taking Houston to cover here. Houston has won a couple of close games. Their defense has been really good when they've won. Nope, West Virginia and Super Pick. Super Pick! And super Pick. Jerem's going Super Pick for two points with Come West on, Virginia. Mountaineers! Neil Brown! West Virginia. <laughs> All right, on to basketball. Of BYU men's hoops, 31 games on this year's schedule. 13 of them. 13 yeah. are against teams that are projected to be in the NCAA tournament by Joe Lunardi right now. Yeah. <laughs> what do you make of this? Uh, Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas State, you're playing twice, so that adds to that. Only one non-conference game is a projected tourney team at this moment. That would be San Diego State. So I think in non-conference, that makes me excited. Like, get some wins there, and then in league, of course. Can you win a third? Go 10-3 and three in non-con, and then... Massive opportunity after massive opportunity is presented in league. Let's go. Can baby. you somehow get six? Oh, that would be amazing. Diamondback players celebrated the sweep over the Dodgers last night by doing cannonballs into the hot tub in the outfield at Chase Field. Does Miller Park need a hot tub in the facility? That would be awesome for sure, a facility upgrade, but who needs a hot tub for when fans. you just have cold pools like you jumped into back in Las Vegas in 2015. Yeah. Good for the body, cold. good for your health. Forget the hot tub, yeah. just go the cold tub plunge like Jerem did eight years ago. Very cold. What was colder was the walk um, back because I didn't bring out sandals. Let's go. Looking a little uh, chubby there too. Uh, Come on. It is what it is. You look great uh, for your age. Come yeah, I'm not, I'm not a good uh, big Wim Hof guy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, go real cold if you want to. Jeez. <laughs> Track and field and cross country posted a hilarious picture of Ed Iso doing his best Charlie 
from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't know, I don't know, Dennis. I don't know. I don't know. Uh. About Olympic qualifications for Connor Mance and Clayton Young. <laughs> Elite recreation, right? Yeah, this is really good. And if you haven't seen the Charlie pick, <laughs> you need to see that too, right? But like, yeah, the, the conspiracy theory. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out! I know what's going on. I know how they can qualify for the Olympics. <laughs> I love his character so That's much. Great. <laughs> in Pacific Rim, they basically just brought that same character yes. in, and I was like, yes. wait, what? Oh, okay. This is He's like also the old spaceship voice pilot in the Lego movie. Spaceship! Oh, right. Spaceship! Spaceship! That's right. Oh my oh, gosh. Fantastic. Hey, uh, BYU uh, and, and Sports Nation. We're going to be at Big 12 Basketball Media Days coming up next Tuesday for the Women's Day, Wednesday for the Men's Day, live from Kansas City, Missouri. Look who's back in Missouri. Going to Kansas City. We back, baby. What is your favorite all-time moment against TCU? We'll tell you hours after the break. This is BYU Sports Station on a throwback Thursday. Get him, Curtis. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from windy Fort Worth, Texas. Jerem's back in studio being Provo, Utah. Before we get to the question of the day, I just need to point out that as we were meandering about Amy G. Carter Stadium, I found a cricket, a mm. big juicy one too, Jerem. Oh, so wow. I have located the cricket problem. I okay. have eliminated said cricket problem. Excuse okay? me? Get out of here, Jiminy. <laughs> you got no business. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have like a top hat and a cane? That's weird. Our question of the day. Call your oh. shot. What's your game day guarantee for BYU TCU? Jonathan uh, Hawk on X, super fan. BYU have at least 100 more passing yards than TCU. Okay. Okay. I like that one. I like that one. I like that for sure. Okay, Nick Bright on Instagram. BYU plus two in turnover margin. And Jacob Robinson with another interception. Whoa. Mm. BYU's minus 25 uh, to TCU in passing yards per game, just for reference. At Dallin underscore Olsen on X, BYU would score more than 35 points. Now, that would be nice. They've done that against Southern Utah, Arkansas, and exactly 35 against Cincinnati. 35 would be a winning number, although it is the Big 12 and TCU. You never know. Our elite voice of the day is this, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Jordan uh, Long on Facebook. What did he say, Spence? All right, Jordan Long adds, simple, BYU wins. <laughs> That's, That's it. the game day That's guarantee. guarantee. Hey, as a five and a half, six point dog, 27.6% chance on ESPN FPI, that would be nice because yep, we're yep. still weirded out by the line and the percentage chance win. I understand it, but I'm like, eh, sure. where TCU's at? Like two game losing streak, backup quarterback now? Like seriously? BYU coming off some rest. BYU being pretty good under Kalani after a bye week too. Like all of those factors. Let's change this afternoon narrative, baby. Guaranteed win in the afternoon. Let's go. Let's in this Taka era, Cougar Stats, uh, I'm going to twist it, 4-0 when the starting quarterback was the same starter from the beginning of the season. So th there you go. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It is the pink game tonight for breast cancer awareness for women's volleyball. Certainly this is important to this team on two fronts. One, Gay Mare, a longtime athletic trainer for BYU who passed away in 2010 of breast cancer. 
BYU remembers her each and every year specifically by planting tulips outside the Smith Fieldhouse. It is personal and it matters. And then as you see, Heather Olmstead writing dad. Her dad, Rick, longtime uh, respected coach and official in NCAA volleyball, has breast cancer. 1% of men comprise those who have breast cancer. Heather Olmstead, it's very personal. Rick's doing well, we hear. She wears blue. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.